What drives you? What inspires you? Let's ignite your why. Welcome to Ignite Your Why podcast. I'm your host, Austin T. Gully, and we're here to have genuine conversations with authentic people to help amplify their voice and figure out what ignites their why. Today's guest is Jordan Anderson. He was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's an alum of Xavier University of Louisiana, where he obtained his bachelor's degree in chemistry. He then went to Duke University, where he got his master's degree in bioethics and science policy. Jordan, how are you doing today? Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm doing, doing great. I'm doing well, uh, just hanging in there like always, but that's life, you just gotta keep pushing. No gotta matter. make it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> or just make it. <laughs> true, Not true. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> That's true. Let's just hop straight into this. So what is your story? What is my story? Who is Jordan Anderson? Hmm. You know, that is a very hard question to answer. Who is Jordan Anderson? Well, let me tell you. I wish I knew. But I don't. But I do know. I do know a bit about myself, and I know that I was born of a father and a mother, like you know most people. I have a mom, Angela Anderson, McLean Anderson. McLean's her maiden name. My dad is Edward Anderson. Um, my mom is a physician at LSU, and my dad is a musician. My dad also passed away last year, and so that's why I paused. But um, yeah, so... I have two siblings, a younger brother, a younger sister. A lot of people often think that or refer to me as the youngest. And I'm like, I'm the oldest. And I get it, but I don't, you know. Is it because you're immature? No, it's more because I <laughs> tend to be very bubbly and goofy sometimes. Which is kind of funny because I grew up very timid and shy and didn't really talk to too many people. And I guess maybe that's some of the story I need to tell today. Because, um, yeah, really interesting how I got here. I guess you could say it really all began um, in high school, maybe. I mean, you know, I went through middle school and all that other type of jazz like everybody else. But I think it was in high school when I started really coming into myself. I ran track and cross country at Brother Martin in New Orleans. I'm born and raised there. I don't know if I said that already. Did I? Uh, I don't think you did, but I mentioned it. In I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, <laughs> and... I lived in California for about a year in fourth grade, which is why I don't really have a New Orleans accent. That's my reasoning for it. But I didn't you know. know there was a New Orleans accent. Oh yeah. It's very common. <laughs> but <laughs> um yes. Brother Martin, I um ran cross country and track, and I don't know, I guess for a good bit of it, I guess I just felt like, you know, I just had life kinda Handed to me, like, you know, I was really sheltered as a child. I went to church every day. Um, I made, as long as I came home making straight A's, like, everything was peachy. My parents provided food, water, and not everybody can say that, and I'll get into that later. But... Wait, you went to church every day? Every Sunday. 
Is that what I said? No, you said you went to church every day. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> every Sunday, people. Yes. I was like, dang, this dude went. To yeah, church that would that would have been week. um that would have been interesting. That would have been an experience. I probably still would be very shy and sheltered. I, I mean, I am, but you I know. can understand going to church like seven days a week if you were like a a preacher's child or something. But no, I went to school five days and then I played video games on Saturday and went to church on Sunday and probably did some schoolwork too. I don't know what I did the rest of the day. I did something. But anyways, <laughs> back to high school. I, um, yeah, I started realizing everything in my life was kind of starting to slip. I mean, my grades were fine, but, like, my professors didn't really give me, like, I guess they just assumed that, oh, man, this kid's going to be great because I made, like, good grades and stuff. But then they were just like, oh, like, I'm just going to be average and same thing happened in sports, and same thing happened. I was also in band, and everybody was like, "Well, let's just put them in the remedial stuff, and not like not the honors, not the, you know, whatever else, sort of like higher up sort of things, you know." And I guess I started to feel some type of way about that because I was like, you know, why is all this happening? And then I think it was really through watching one of my classmates. Uh, Michael Malinato, I think he went to law school now or whatever and, you know, living his life. But um, he was the captain of the cross-country team and he would try so hard to the point he was getting carried away in ambulances after every race, almost every race. And I think one time when I saw it happen and I saw him like crawling over the finish line, it said, wow, like, I wish I tried that hard like this guy because I didn't like I kind of just went through the motions and expected greatness to happen and it didn't so I really started pushing myself to my limits like really started pushing myself um and it got to the point where I was getting carried away in an ambulance actually yeah I did get carried away in an ambulance not at a race but in the gym is it because <laughs> of like dehydration or I mean that that too but like you know it was really, I, f I felt, to me, it was pushing my body beyond its limits. Now, it seems crazy, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy, but they also saw something else in me, too, at the same time. And, you know, they saw how hard I tried and how hard I worked, and people were inspired by it. And it got to the point where, you know, I was getting in, like, the more advanced stuff again, and I was getting award from going, like, from being something that nobody expected to basically an underdog and like showing, Hey, you know, I'm here and I'm a fighter too. And I think that's really, yeah, it really is all where it began. Let's say when a uh, track and cross country ended, I cried. Actually, I was, you know, I was thankful. Trusting you there. No, I totally get that because like hearing you say like you're pushing yourself and like getting to that limit just makes me think back to when I was in high school uh, it was actually my junior year. I ended up in the hospital twice uh, for like over exhaustion and like de dehydration. But I remember the first one was after a soccer game, right? After a soccer game, like dad rushed me into the emergency room. I didn't take an ambulance, but my dad like literally like went into like the gas station, stole like two bottles of water and just drove me straight to the hospital. He went back to pay for them like later on. But like two weeks, like I was supposed to take two weeks off from sports, but my doctor didn't tell me that. So literally the same weekend, like the next weekend, I had a soccer tournament in like the country or whatever. 
But then I ended up back in the hospital for the same issue. And they're like, oh, yeah, like you need to take two weeks off of like sports because like I was having like slight kidney failure and like all this other shit that could have been that could have been like real serious. And it was like one of the hardest things I had to do. Like, I think that's when I was like, okay, I need to like make a change, like start eating more, drinking better because like I would just drink like kool-aid and soft drinks all the time and haven't had a soft drink since uh high school junior year i literally was just like okay like that's it all i'm gonna drink is water gatorade and powerade and that's all i did yeah people we're not telling you to put yourself in the hospital just to <laughs> clarify that not at all but i think what we're trying to say is you know these experiences can change you um, as a person and help you figure out what ignites your why, right? Is that what this is? This is what, that's what that is, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I went to college after that, you know, I think a lot more motivated. I think it's so funny that you went to Xavier University, but it wasn't the right. No, it was Xavier. not Ohio. It wasn't the right one. The right one. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I think I think this Xavier, the Xavier that I went to is well known for putting, I think it's like either between number one and number three of putting black men and women in med school, which is pretty impressive, honestly. Which is kind of what, what I went to uh, school for. To just, go to med you know, school? Just to keep the thing, just to keep us on track. Yeah. My mom being a doctor. My dad was a musician. And... Um, you know, being a musician these days is really difficult unless you're like, you know, Ariana Grande or Post Malone or, you know, super successful, famous, you know, sort of doing what society wants you to do. If you're just like a local musician and you're doing something like jazz, like my dad was doing, it can be a lot harder to make it financially, um, stability wise. So... Um, you know, my dad kind of said, you know, why don't you sort you sort of do the medical thing like your mom suggests and you can do music too on the side. And so that's really where that all started. I, you know, I was really pushed into medicine and I started in psychology and I changed my major about five times. Shut <laughs> up. Yep. Same. Yeah. You told me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was all within a relatively same field. It was psychology, biology. Um, then it was like chemistry pre-med, then it was like general chemistry. So yeah, I was all within the same area, but it was really, I changed based off of what I was good at. You know, I volunteered in a psych ward and that was like scary to see what that was like. So I was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing psychology anymore. Uh, uh-uh. uh, and I didn't really like judgment anyway. And I feel like that comes from something personal insecurities that I've had. Just like, I don't like people judging me, putting labels on me, telling me to be this way, be that way. And in psychology, you kind of have to do that. Um, but I do like psychology just as like a concept about learning about how your mind works, about how, you know, interactivity with other people work. Um, but I love psychology. Oh, yeah. It's... It was my focus in undergrad. My favorite class was um, personality psychology. It's really interesting. And understanding why people's personalities are the way they are. And how twins' personalities are, like, very similar and how they, like, differ. It was very interesting. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I wish I would have majored in psychology. But then I was like, 
what would I do with it? Yeah, it was the careers that made me change my mind. I was like, you know, I don't really see myself in this sort of career, which is kind of funny because I feel like my career kind of went back towards the social sciences anyways. But um, I was biology and then I was chemistry and I kind of just stuck that out until I graduated. But then it came to a point where I was like, graduating, I'm like, well, what's next? And I had tried research and I was like, it always felt like something was missing every time I did it. It was like, I'm here in this lab, but it's like, there's something greater I'm longing for. And for some people, research is like enough. Like they feel like they're solving the world's problems by do it, by researching this in particular gene and doing this experiment a hundred times, a hundred thousand times. But um, for me, it was like, I don't want to really be here. Like, I don't want to be in this lab. I don't want to be injecting mice with pilocarpine and causing them to have seizures. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that because I think I can get sued by PETA. <laughs> Probably not. PETA's not even listening to this. So, um, yeah. I mean, if you want to, we could take it out. <laughs> oh, we can keep it. Okay. Let's keep it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, that I wanted something greater, and I actually ended up working in research as soon as I graduated, which is kind of funny. Um, I didn't go to med school for a few reasons. One, um, I got a good MCAT score, but it wasn't amazing. I never really just completed the full medical school application. Um, I did this program, which was outstanding, by the way. It was uh, in Philadelphia. It was a step-up program. Highly recommend people look into it and try to do it. It's a minority-based program. I'm a minority. I don't know if you're not a minority if you can do it. But, you know, I when I did the program, there wasn't any doctor that I really saw myself being. It wasn't until I started looking at people like Michael Crichton, like Atul Gawande, and I started seeing things in them that I really liked. And it wasn't really around actually practicing medicine. It was more about Michael Crichton wrote Westworld and he wrote Jurassic Park, but he was also went to medical school, learned all the medical terminology, and then said, I want to do something creative, which is what I want to do or what I wanted to do and I'm trying to do now. And it was like growing up in New Orleans, having a dad that was a musician, New Orleans is a very creative place. You know, the film industry is booming or, you know, definitely growing there. Um, it's a very artistic place and seeing all my friends, some family members, et cetera, like engaged in the creative world in New Orleans, becoming photographers, actors, all this sorts of stuff. It's like, man, like, why didn't I try this out? But I never really gave up on science because I did like it. And I loved working hard and learning all these sorts of things about how our body works and all of these detailed um, yeah, detailed things really, but it was like the career options just didn't align. So, um, it was actually kind of funny because all that same time I was having a sort of mental health crisis, really, um, anxiety, some depression to some extent. Um, but it was really cap, cap, uh, uh, what's, the right, what's the right word? Uh, catalyzed by all of um, 
the issues I was going through with friends at the time. And I don't want to go into all the details of what was going on, but uh, it was like a really close group of friends sort of distanced themselves from me over a conflict I had with one of them. And I was also jealous of this friend uh, at the same time because he started finally like finding his path and he started like really diving into film and the industry with that. And I was kind of jealous. Now that wasn't really the reason why we were having problems, but in losing that sort of friendship at the time, I said, you know, why don't I look into this for myself? And so I did. I um, started off in uh, by joining writing groups where we wrote short stories and shared those short stories uh, regularly. And then I um, start, reached out to Novak, New Orleans Video Access Center. Um, Vianola V, a New Orleans magazine, really helped me out at the time too because my dad, who had just been diagnosed with cancer like back then, um, he was really good friends with the editor. And so she was like, yeah, why don't we get this guy going? Like, uh, they checked out some of the writing I was doing from the writing workshops and they were like, wow, yeah, he can write. And so, yeah, they, um, allowed me to sort of start publishing articles. Now I'm not going to say that I was an, like, an outstanding writer because when I went to Duke, I realized very quickly that was not the case. Mm. And my teachers definitely reassured me about that. You went to Duke. <laughs> I still can't get over that. Yeah. It was kind of funny because I think, um, Duke saw that hey, here's this kid and, you know, he's a minority and he's made the grades at Xavier, which is not an easy school. Just saying. I'm not going to say it's harder than the other Xavier, but, you know, it is not an easy school. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and I sort of sold myself as um, taking a gap year and still considering medical school, which I wasn't 100% sure about. But I signed up for their bioethics and science policy program because in medicine and in the medical programs that I was doing, ethics and exploring the ethical issues in the hospitals and those sorts of things were something that was really something that I was actually interested in. Like whenever we went to like the surgery rotations or whenever we went to um, pediatrics, all those sorts of things, it's kind of like, eh, like surgery is kind of gross Pediatrics is cool, but, like, I don't see any doctor that I really want to be. Like, I don't want to really want to be dealing with, like, kids' ear infections and those sorts of things, you know? And, um, but when we started talking about the ethical issues and stuff, I was like, wow, like, I really want to, like, make a difference in these sort of things. And so that's part of why I really went to the program was to help make a change in society while giving me the opportunity to write and use my science background to continue writing and, um, you know, th- those sorts of things. But when I was at Duke, one of the other reasons why I sold this, uh, chose this program was because they sort of sold the idea that this is a new program. And so a lot of the electives are free and open. So where you can take any sort of class you want. I'm like, wow, this is kind of like a second chance to do college again, because I felt like, you know, maybe if I had known more at the time, I would have done it a little bit differently. And so when I went to Duke, I did. I looked into film classes, journalism classes, um, business classes, you know, so that I could say, okay, I have the, like, I'm back in school. 
I have the um, freedom to sort of explore the things that I've always been interested in that I should have done in college, but going to a small school like Xavier that primarily focuses on sciences, I didn't really have too much of the opportunity to do that. Um, for a master's program, especially one as short as mine, maybe that wasn't the smartest idea because that program was done in a year, <laughs> a year and a half. And it's like, man, like, you know, actually, I'm not going to say that because I think that for me, I gained a lot out of doing it the way that I wanted to do it. I think it was some of the professors didn't exactly agree with what I was doing. They're like, why are you taking this class? And are you not going to med school anymore? And, you know, they were kind of really uncomfortable with what I was doing, but I was doing it for me. I was doing And that's it. all that matters. Exactly. It's like, you shouldn't live your life for someone else. You want to live your life so you can do something you enjoy doing. And just hearing your journey and hearing your story, I have a common theme of your passions and how it's, whether it's being in science or being creative. And it's kind of, you're molding those two together to really do what you want to do which kind of leads me into my next segment, which is what inspires you, but more importantly, what ignites your why? Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing I put in all of my recent job applications. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the whole experience with the art and the science is a huge part of it. Being able to sort of tell stories in a way that captivates and captures audiences, um, but do it in a way that explains concepts like science that not everybody understands. I think that is one thing that I find really impassions me is being able to make science more inclusive. In fact, I have a podcast too, and it's called DNI Com Sci, Science for All podcast, where we aim to explore how scientists are making science more inclusive, equitable, and engaging to audiences. I literally was just about to mention your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I had to give a little spiel right quick just because, you know, marketing maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Where can people find your podcast? Well, you know, you can find it on americanscientist.org. It's also going to be on Apple Podcasts very soon. It's not on there yet, but it's, it's going to be there on the next few weeks. I guess back to the question, what ignites my why? I didn't quite get to what I put in my applications yet maybe like a few of them, but I generally talk about the story behind my dad and his cold cancer situation. Um, you know, like I said, he did pass away last year during COVID and surprisingly not from COVID. He had glioblastoma, which is a type of brain cancer. And that whole experience with my family, um, you know, the first day was a shocker to everybody. It was, you know, I went to bed. It was after physical chemistry, a really hard class, by the way. I went to bed after physical chemistry um, class at Xavier and about 3 a.m. I hear my mom screaming and, you know, we, me and my sister, my brother kind of like run downstairs, try to figure out what the hell's going on. And my dad's having a seizure just like on the stairs. And, you know, we call an ambulance and all this jazz. And it turns out that he has brain cancer, which is like what the absolute hell, you know, but I think that's really what started my science communication journey because um, I wrote about it. Like this was after my dad and had like started talking to Vienola V, the magazine that I mentioned earlier. 
And um, I wrote an article for them, and that's my first article ever published, on my experience with my dad's cancer. And in that article, I was kind of inspired by people like Michael Crichton and Atul Gawande and others, um, other science writers, um, to write about, uh, you know, relate the science to what's actually happening in the real world. And for me, it was experiencing my dad's situation. And so I learned, you know, in anatomy class, you have this area called Broca's area in the brain. And um, uh, and I think that was like where the tumor was forming at first. So he sort of had impairments to his like ability to process and communicate speech, which is what sort of like the area in the brain does. And I wrote about, I don't remember what else I wrote about in terms of anatomy, but I definitely remember relating some of the science facts that I was learning. And it kind of inspired me to keep doing that. Um, but yeah, after that, you know, I went to Duke and then pandemic happened and pandemic really gave me a really good chance to continue my science writing, science communication journey. I was doing videos at the time too, because I took video courses and was relating my science to videography, which was really cool. Um, but at the same time, one of my really good friends also got cancer, which was kind of crazy. And um, he um, came from a low-income, underserved community, very poor, um, didn't have a lot of resources, didn't really have a good understanding of science because English wasn't his first language. And so I saw how, in terms of health, healthcare, access to healthcare, he had limitations, not just because, you know, they have so many initiatives for people who don't have a lot of money, but might have like a terminal diagnosis or something to get treatment to try to save them. But it's not always the case for people that are just marginalized against, especially if they live in poor areas, poor areas without very good resources that might have less... Um, less open-minded people to help with those sorts of situations. And so I saw how all this was happening, and I think it really motivated me to, um, you know, want to engage those sorts of audiences with science, and what better way to do that than through art? So that's really what my podcast focuses on, the one that I've been working on, is how to make science more inclusive, how to reach these sorts of audiences and other audiences, because, you know, there's also political bias as well. Like, um, I think it's, it's the seven, there's like seven categories of people, the way that they think. And, you know, each person might have it, each type of thinking might have its own biases. And so you have to go and figure out how can I reach all these different mindsets? Well, it's really about knowing your audience, like, you know, who's the audience for this podcast? for example. And it's like, not only do you want to know your audience, but you also want to be able to catch their interest and captive, catch it in a way that makes it more engaging. That's not just for what I'm doing with the science and art thing. That's for pretty much anything, really. And not everybody knows how to do that very well. Um, but so, you know, these sorts of experiences did help um, did help me sort of figure out what I want to do. And it was really through expressing this that got me the position at Tulane that I have not started yet. I'm starting very soon. Um, but I will be working in their communications department 
for uh, public health and tropical medicine, which is pretty much like the exact sort of fit for what I'm looking for. It's not the end goal, but it is a really good next step for where I want to go. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. That's exciting. I just love like hearing people's passions. And I've always been the kind of kid who liked science, but wasn't really like into science, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like it was interesting to like learn about it, but it was something that I was like, okay, like I had enough. I'm an English nerd. So like I love writing. Um, I'm not big on like reading a lot, but like I love to write, which is weird. But I love how you used your life experiences and how first, sorry, but how's your dad? Um, I know like that had to be a rough time, but like you kind of used that situation and turned it into a positive. And that's kind of what's inspiring to me is like you use this difficult moment in your life and you've used it as inspiration to find your purpose. And well, I mean, you kind of have to. If you don't, then the other way is doesn't really lead to anywhere. And I'm not going to say it was a very smooth ride. Like, I've had a lot of road bumps. A lot of road bumps. Like, man, if you knew where I was in January, whew, that shit was crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, it went from me having, like, family disputes to getting, like, you know, put out the house and having to figure out how am I, how am I going to, like, you know, get myself back together. And I actually got a counselor and he was, you know, that's the other thing. I definitely am a person that says we need to normalize counseling. Like, that might sound like people might say, oh, counselor. Oh, no, mental health issues. Blah, blah, blah. I love no, therapy. No, no. Yeah, that's the thing. Therapy like, is literally, like, my safe haven. Like, I feel so comfortable when I'm there. Like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I can just pour my heart out and this person in front of me is just not going to judge me. Well, that's the point I'm trying to get to is you want to find the right kind of counselor, therapist, psychologist, because if you find the wrong one, it's going to be a shit show. Oh, I literally, I've had like four different therapists because it's all about your connection and that vibe. Like don't force yourself to open up to someone that you're not comfortable sharing with. And that, that was my process is like, okay, like, this person gotta go. Right. <laughs> but let's remind our audience why we're talking about therapy in the first place is because, uh, you know, COVID, dad passing, friend getting diagnosed with cancer, having issues at home, all led to, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff that honestly should ask for help about. But, you know, you can't really lose sight of the goal and you have to turn those situations, it's a fight. You got to be a fighter because life doesn't accept people who aren't willing to put in the work. But, you know, I did the networking and, you know, reaching out to people that I knew had my best interest at heart. Again, very important point, because as I've mentioned in throughout this episode, not everybody has your best interests. Um, but for people that do, I reached out to them. Mentors are huge. One of my, I had a mentor at Tulane, uh, Lena Moses, and I reached out to her first, and that's how I got the position at Tulane. 
she said, oh, well, I really think you should talk to this person and this person. I really want to, I really want to see you get to the next level because you've put in so much work and da, 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 da. And it's like, people like that just make you feel good because you know, they're on your side and, you know, they, they probably had similar stories to you. They probably were a teenager. Well, they were a teenager at one point <laughs> and they really just know that it can be hard but they probably found people that helped them out. And so they want to return the favor. And that's something that mentors have told me is like, you know, we want to help you, but in turn, when you get to where you are need to be, which you will, we want you to return the favor to somebody else. So, um, yeah, guys, uh, we have talked about this so many times in season one. Connections are key network make those connections because you never know who is going to be willing to help you get to that next step connections 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 literally one of the things i wish i learned in high school because i feel like they don't really mention networking in high school it's all in college is when i had to figure that out but you kind of answered my next question which was like with everything going on in today's world um how have you been taking care of yourself Hmm. Well, I've started taking capoeira classes, and that was really helpful. But it was also really capoeira, Brazilian martial arts. Oh, I was like, I did that in January, and then it got too expensive for me to keep up. And I think I'm gonna go back once I start Tulane because um, I'll have a higher income, and so I'll be able to do that too. But you know, making sure you make time for yourself is huge. Like making time for yourself. Um journaling is big i've been journaling mostly through emails (laughs) to my counselor these days but you know making sure that you make time to just be a human treat yourself i i'm a single man people i'm a single man (laughs) but um you know taking myself out on dates like even if you're in a relationship definitely recommend doing that um, taking yourself out, treating yourself to like a $40 meal one day. I'm not going to say a $50 meal because I've done that before, but I still think it's a little expensive. I think you should take yourself out to a $40 meal sometimes <laughs> and get the extra glass of wine, that steak that you want. Don't do it all the time because then you won't have any money. But, you know, taking care of yourself is huge. Making sure your mental health is right because uh, it's all about your mind state. It's not like if you want to you want to be like far over here and you can't see over here because, you know, this is an audio podcast. But if you want to be far over here, (laughs) which is all the way in this corner over here, then you have to make sure that your mental is right. You can't just start running when you haven't learned how to walk or crawl. Um, Yeah. I'm sure there was like some other stuff I wanted to say, but it's all good. I feel like you answered that perfectly because I love going places by myself because I don't have to worry about what anyone else wants to do. I can do what I want to do. And it's just something that like I've been getting used to doing. So, well, thank you for taking the time to just share your story and really just open up. I love hearing people's stories and yours was one of those stories. So if people want to continue having a conversation with you about anything that we talked about today, whether it's science, art, anything that you've been through, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, I'm on Instagram. It's is it it's dot 
just underscore. No, no, no. It's just underscore Jordan dot art on Instagram.com. Yes, get that right. Just underscore Jordan dot art I'm also on Twitter, Jordan dot art And if it's not that, it might be underscore. <laughs> I can't keep up with the underscores or dots, but definitely the Instagram is right. I'm also on, so I'm on Instagram, Twitter. You can follow my podcast. Again, that's on AmericanScientist.org, American Science Blogs, and it is called DNI ComSci. And I guess I'm on Facebook too, but I don't really check it that much. I can give you my phone number, but I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I will put all of Jordan's information in the description below. Thank you guys for listening in. And always remember, find your purpose and ignite your why.